0: Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. In one of our earliest videos for Fortune and Freedom, I asked Nigel Farage about wind power and what he made of it. What followed was a pretty interesting interview, to say the least. He told some interesting stories. But I think it's time to update our viewers on what's happened since, because... With wind power now, about 40% of the UK's electricity supply, there's been a lot of news and it's not looking so great. Nigel, I want to start, though, by revisiting that extraordinary story you told us last time around when you talked about the debate that you were in with some prominent politicians, because I think that really highlights what's actually going on here. Yeah, I mean, look, because it's green
1: and because it's all you know going to add towards our net zero targets, Nobody criticises any aspect of wind energy whatsoever. In fact, Boris Johnson kept burbling on about us being the Saudi Arabia of wind. And every time there's a new wind farm project, the BBC News at 10 say, here's this wind farm, it'll power three million homes in Bristol and the southwest. No questions asked, no debate of any kind at all. If you question it, you're screamed at. The finger is pointed. They go red in the face and they scream denier, as if Somehow, uh, you know, you're sort of uh, virtually accused of witchcraft uh, by these people. Um, I've been deeply sceptical about the wind industry from day one uh, for two reasons, really. Uh, the first, it gives intermittent energy. And therefore, Nick, when you introduce me and say wind produces 40% of our needs, no, on a bad day, it's less than 1%. And that's a massive problem because you have to have backup. And I've been told since 2000, don't worry, Nigel, there's no problem. We're going to have battery storage for the excess electricity. Well, we haven't got it yet. Um, And my understanding is, uh, you know, you'd need a battery storage site the size of Surrey uh, to try and keep the electricity, and it would cost a fortune, and it diminishes pretty quickly. So that's the first reason uh, that I've been sceptical about wind. It gives intermittent energy, but actually what you need consistent, solid, baseload power uh, to use the national
0: grid. He has to be able to control it. That's that's the key issue, isn't it? Even if it's... Yes. If, if the wind blew consistently, but you can't dial it up and dial it down, uh, you're still you're not getting any.
1: No. And, and, you know, as I say, we have these days. Um, often this time of the year, fun enough, um, it, you know, if you get a very big anti-cyclone that sits over the North Sea for a week... Uh, then what you get are very low temperatures, record demand for electricity and heating, um, and you've got a problem. Uh, and, and, and we've seen outages um, in other parts of the world. Texas you know, went down the wind route and found itself with power outages. We've seen it in many parts of the world. And the idea that in the modern world we'd lose electricity, well, we'd lose everything. You know, our mobile phones couldn't charge, our computers wouldn't work. We're more reliant on electricity today than we've ever been at any point since it was first discovered. The second reason I've always been skeptical about the wind industry, and especially the offshore industry, is it's so blimmin' expensive that without vast amounts of subsidy, it simply cannot stand on its own two feet and it cannot compete. Now, what we've been learning from a very enlightening piece on Bloomberg of all places, is about curtailment costs. So what's that, you ask? So when the wind's blowing really strong and the wind turbines around the country are all operating, or nearly all operating at their maximum capacity, it then produces too much electricity. So they have to turn the machines off. And we pay them to turn them... No, no is is I'm being serious here. You pay them because you're... These costs are added to your electricity bill. You're paying a 20% premium on your domestic electricity bill to subsidize renewables. And so we now pay them not to produce electricity because we can't cope with the excess demand all coming at once. And the racket that's been exposed by Bloomberg is that what these wind energy companies have been doing is they've grossly been overestimating the amount of energy they can potentially use so they get even paid more when they're not producing, not that they could have produced it in the first place. Um, and that is a total, utter racket at every single level. Uh, the
0: other let's just, let's, just, let's just highlight this in a particular way, Nigel. Um, you told me, uh, just before we started recording this, that you've installed uh, a wind turbine on your house. Um, how much energy do you think that wind turbine might have produced over the last few days, and how much money do you think you should be paid for it?
1: Yeah, well, I might, you know, I mean, I might boil a kettle with it, you know. Um, I mean, look, I mean, there are, there are examples, there are examples, um, of people living in rural areas with exposed landscapes where they can put a little wind turbine up, and they can generate a fair degree of electricity. That is true at a micro level. It might work in certain circumstances, but the initial cost of putting anything up, however big or small, you know, it'll take you eight to ten years to even begin to think that you might break even, and that's against a massive capital outlay cost to begin with. But the idea you can run a national grid with a situation where you're relying that 40% of it comes from wind, and a government and opposition who are determined to triple, to meet our targets, they need to build 18,000 more wind turbines between now and 2030. And the recent auction there was a recent auction for wind farm sites in the North Sea There wasn't a single bidder. Because the amount of subsidy governments are promising for the future is less than it's been in the past. We've also been paying wind energy companies for what they produce. But we've also been paying them over over the course of the last couple of years the equivalent of what the gas price would be. So when we had the withdrawal of supplies from Russia, they were being paid far more than any previous gentleman's agreement. So it's the consumer paying the bill. It is British industry that is suffering. We have the highest electricity costs in the whole of Europe by far. And our electricity and gas costs are almost exactly double what they are in the United States of America. And you wonder why, when you look at GDP figures across the West, you know, for the last seven or eight years, you wonder why, you know, we've grown at nearly 10%. The eurozone's has grown at about 7%. America's grown at 14%. And access to cheap, reliable energy is a very major part of why America is doing so much better than we are, or indeed much, of the rest of Europe. Energy is an absolutely vital part of our life, of our economy, of our industry. And we've got ourselves into this bizarre position in Britain where there is no debate. There, there is no debate. I mean, Sky News... Have a climate hour every night, where they eulogise about about wind energy, about heat pumps on the side of your house. Well, look, you know, in an ideal world, <clears throat> in an ideal world, fine, we'd have carbon, uh, you know, carbon neutral energy. But you've got to remember, whilst we're handicapping ourselves in this way, leaving ourselves at risk of having genuine blackouts, uh, of seeing consumers ripped off by rackets. Such as the one that Bloomberg has exposed. We've got China, India, and Indonesia. They're the big three uh, burning coal, you know, billions of tons a year. Now, I'm not exaggerating, literally billions of tons of coal every single year. And I think at some point there's going to be a rethink. I think the farmers' protests across Europe are the first signs of the public saying, whoa, hang on a second you know, because these farmers are being told that uh, they can't have as many cows on their land because of of, uh, backside emissions, if I can put it like that. Uh, They're being told what nitrogen they can use on the soil. They're being heavily regulated, all of it in the name, of meeting net zero targets. And what's really interesting politically is whether it's Italy or Poland or France or Germany, the finger of blame is being pointed very, very fairly and squarely at the European Commission in Brussels. So the political implications of all of this, I think when it comes to the European elections, which conclude on the 9th of June this year, are enormous. Uh, We're going to see a very, very large uh, Eurosceptic swing, and much of this is around climate policy, much of this is around unaffordable and, can I say, unachievable net zero targets. Sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this content, You can get it every single day. Just click the link in the description or go to fortuneandfreedom.com. Get a daily email from our team of experts. Thank you.
0: I read today, I think in the German media, that the German Greens Party is trying to rein in their European allies in in the European Parliament to try and sort of wind back some of these green policies. So that's how extreme things are in uh, in the European Union. Um, I wonder, Digging just a little bit more to this Bloomberg story, just to be absolutely clear, that these companies get paid to not produce energy, but they're then asked, "Well, how much energy would you have produced?" That's right. And apparently, they've just been uh, exaggerating things a a little bit. So I thought I wanted to give you the opportunity to say that this windmill on on your house is producing lots of energy, and uh, you shouldn't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I yeah I could do with a curt silver payment as well. I get the point you're making. Now, I mean, look, you know, there seems to be a total lack of scrutiny in this area, uh, a refusal to criticize or condemn in any way practices that go on within this industry. And that's because of the consensus view. You know. I mean, don't forget that the 2019 piece of legislation, committing us to net zero, went through the Houses of Parliament without a vote. Wasn't even a debate. Just nodded through because everyone agrees. Um, so yeah, at every level, we'd be ripped off by this industry. From day one, it's been a very little economic benefit. The theory of wind energy is great. The practice is, as I say, it's intermittent. It needs subsidy. It's damned expensive. And we're putting ourselves at a huge disadvantage by going down this
0: route. Nigel, it's free. It's free. Okay, this uh, this curtailment issue was not the only scandal that's broken the last few weeks. We've also got this issue of the Climate Change Committee supposedly using only one year of data in order to estimate the amount of energy storage needed to try and make Uh, wind um, less intermittent. The part of this that interests me is that when we estimate how expensive wind is, we don't attribute the costs of making that energy reliable to the cost of the wind power. Uh, To me, surely if you're going to compare something like the cost of a gas uh, or a coal or nuclear power plant to wind energy, you've got to compare them based on what it would require in order to make wind and solar and other renewable forms of energy reliable that's got to be included in that cost and it seems like that's one of the other places that they managed to fudge how much this is going to cost as well and it's a crucial part so if it is exposed now that the costs of actually storing energy is going to be uneconomical what are they going to do next because they've created this vast industry 40% of electricity depending on how you count it if they can't store the energy what are they going to do but they can't store the energy they can't store the energy
1: which is why I repeat the word unachievable. What they're trying to do is unachievable, um, and and that's why, of course, uh, you know, we have to have gas uh, backup, um, and it's why there is a very big debate about nuclear energy going on across the Western world. The problem is our first major project, the Hinckley, uh, with the the Chinese and, and and the French EDF company, appears to be not going very well. Um, sort of HS2-like running massively over budget, um, but rest assured that the logic, that nuclear energy, whatever its costs and problems, but the nuclear energy gives you reliable base load power. You know exactly what a nuclear station is going to produce 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Uh, the logic will be, there will be a big political switch to nuclear and You mentioned the German Greens a moment ago, even they have dropped their objection for Germany moving back towards nuclear. That is where this debate is going over the course of the next few years. I have no doubt about it.
0: My last question is about some of the comments from the Siemens Energy. I think it was the CEO, possibly the chairman. Um, He called some of the aspects of net zero as they're being presented to us a fairy tale. Um, He commented that every transformation, energy transformation, comes at a cost and every transformation is Painful. That's not how it was sold to us, though. Uh, and, and it seems to be, as he says, something that the public sector governments don't really want to hear. Yeah, It seems yeah. to me that they're not listening now to the very people who've been selling them the products. So, you know, if Siemens Energy can't, you know, make a decent case for what supposedly yeah. governments have been telling us that energy is going to be cheap and it's not going to be painful and there's going to be lots of storage. If even those companies aren't making the case, who's left? Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, I, you, you,
1: you know, it, it it often is the political class that are, that are the last edifice to fall. Uh, the public wake up, the farmers start rising, Harris is under siege, even Siemens Engineering say, whoa, hang on a second, this is all based on a series of false assumptions. Uh, in the end, the inevitable will happen. But you see, it's difficult because, you know, our political class have given up God. There's no more religion being replaced by climate change. That is what they believe in. That is what unites them, um, and they, and they, you know, at the last few elections, try to show their virtue by outgreening each other in terms of telling us what they're going to do um, and how much, you know, uh, how much good they're going to do us and and to do the world. So they'll be the last edifice to fall, but fall, I promise you, they will. Are you worried about energy shortages, periodic energy shortages, when the wind yeah. doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine? Yeah, I've been worried for some years about energy shortages, and we've come blooming close once or twice, hasn't happened to us, has happened out elsewhere. South Africa has been through a spate of energy outages over the course of the last year. Um, and, you know, all all that is doing is accelerating the decline of the South African economy and South Africa as a country. Texas, perhaps, is a better warning to us of what we think to be a modern go-ahead state. Um, Biden's still pushing ahead with these massive, hugely subsidized green energy
0: plans. But no, the farmers of Europe have woken up. Everybody else will too. One last thing, Nigel, because what kills me about all this is when we do suffer these energy shortages, the households and the industries in various different countries, including the UK, are asked to dial back their energy demand. You know, in California it was don't charge your car in the UK, it will pay you to to use less energy. And the media reports of these events, celebrate them as a success. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I just, I am I mean, yeah. Yeah. I would have thought that there is no bigger hint of the disastrous consequences of the green energy transition and the fact that we're required to not charge our cars and turn off our, our industries now. But the media celebrates, oh, so we, we figured out this new wonderful technique. It kills me.
1: Yeah. We're traveling less. We'll use less electricity we won't go to Spain on holiday, and these are all advances. As we move back to the lives that our great-grandparents had in the 1920s, apparently, this is some form of progress. Well, you see, that's the point, isn't it? And when it becomes a religion, you can justify almost anything in its name. Well, Thank you for watching. and I hope you agree it's never been more important to take control of your own money, your own financial situation. We do a daily free email, a Fortune and Freedom daily email with lots of knowledge, lots of insight. It's a very useful way of protecting yourself for the future. So please click the link in the description or go to fortuneandfreedom.com and get my daily email.